You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we return here with another episode of Locked On Ravens. I'm your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire. Today's sponsor is Get Upside. Just download the free Get Upside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get 25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your first tank. We return. It is yet again Purple Friday. And back with us as our Purple Friday guest is former Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Super Bowl champion, Kadri Ismael and Q. We didn't have a chance last week to talk about Mike McDonald. You know, I kind of said it. We recorded our show earlier in the evening and then the Ravens dropped the Mike McDonald news after. So we didn't get a chance, unfortunately, last Friday to talk about the news. We're going to get a chance today. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful, and it is glad to know that uh, the Ravens, they are giving us some good content to talk about. Oh, yeah. Never a dull moment with this franchise. I think uh, what you have now is a team that kind of shocked the world a little bit with the firing of Don Martindale. It wasn't necessarily anticipated the timing of it, at least in my opinion, but it's understandable why they decided to part ways. And late on last Thursday, they announced that they had hired former Michigan defensive coordinator, now current Baltimore defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald, who spent seven years with the franchise from 2014 to 2020, left to go to Michigan, and then now is back with the Ravens. So Q, we had talked a bit last week about what we wanted out of the new defensive coordinator, the schemes a little bit, and just where we wanted to see this defense go. What were your initial thoughts of this hiring? Because I personally... I think it's an A-plus hire. I think that with the Ravens, they had a bunch of really qualified candidates that they could have hired. But for McDonald, he is a smart football mind, very young, and someone who has familiarity with this franchise. Yeah, big-time familiarity, and I think that's the the key word. Um, the fact that he was uh, homegrown, if you will, started off in, in the intern, uh, 30 for 30 club, you know, 30 hours, $30,000, and that's about it. And you're just grinding it out and – um, you know, you're, you're, you're having a lot of thankless nights trying to, you know, make your way through this process of being a, a coach on a, a team. And, and in this particular case, he, he did what he needed to do. And I think kudos to Mike and the fact that uh, he worked his way up, um, but he did it in a way as far as, you know, schematically, he was one of those, I guess, analyt- analytical guys and and all the metrics and everything that goes into you know what does it look like on third down when they have three wide receivers in a game or how about when it's single back yet the tight end is flexed out on the right hash versus the left hash so whatever the the scenario was he did it he did it well i think it seasoned him but the correlation to Watching film, talking about film, um, talking about schemes, it's, it's one thing. But how do you translate it over, give what you know to another guy, let that guy be able to absorb the information, and then be able to use it in a high-pressure situation? And it looks like uh, McDonald certainly did that uh, at Michigan. And, and I think for, for both Jim and John, they felt as they talked – that this would be a, a good opportunity for um, John to, you know, hire him. And and now you're looking at a guy who's 34 years young and youngest, uh, what, defensive coordinator in Ravens history at 34. And, and I think that, um, 
you know, hopefully the, the youth will serve him well, but also the valuable experience that he got from being around other coaches, um, the likes of a Wink Martindale, for example, that that's going to help pay dividends down the road for him as far as how he goes about not just leading linebackers anymore. You're leading a whole squad. How are you going to feel about leading a whole squad? I think that's going to be um, first and foremost on my mind when I look at this Ravens team as they try to forge a new identity. Right. And it seems like a lot of people within the organization are very excited about this hire. Patrick Queen being one of them who worked under McDonald during his rookie season before he left for Michigan. And now McDonald's back. You mentioned leader of a squad of a defensive unit. But Hugh, something that excites me about this is just the fact that McDonald left the organization and still thrived and grew in a new role. Because I know a lot of people might have been concerned about the, oh, it's the whole buddy-buddy thing with John Harbaugh and it's another organization thing, like they're going within again. But this is a situation where McDonald, you know, he understands the organization. He had success within it. He went to the college ranks. He led a defense there, turned it around. I mean, led that team. It wasn't just the McDonald effect, but the McDonald effect had a huge impact on that defense. You see guys like Aiden Hutchinson, who's probably going to be a top five pick, talk about how, you know, in his first three years, he had a defensive coordinator in his final year mcdonald comes in and, and just introduces him to new opportunities and look what he does you know he ups his draft stock there are a bunch of michigan defenders who have spoken highly of him so i think that for him being able to grow from outside the organization come back with new knowledge play calling experience i mean this is a win-win for i think everybody involved but hugh during mcdonald's introductory press conference there was mention of some things that could be held over from the non martindale era and i think a lot of people know that era is one that has a lot to do with blitzes and the aggressiveness of that defense, the almost live by the blitz, die by the blitz mentality that Don Martindale had. And McDonald said, yeah, look, the aggressiveness is going to stay. And some of the over-communicating with defenders for that communication factor is going to stay. But Q, in your mind, what's like the perfect amount of aggressiveness for you? Is it blitzing on every third down? Is it, you know, sending corners off the edge or safety blitzes? Is it generating pressure? Or would you like to see this team drop back more guys into coverage and get more pressure with four or five. I think it's a combination of both. I think what he was trying to say is when we overly communicate, we know exactly what's going on on the other side of the ball, but they don't know what we're doing to counteract what they're doing. And if they don't know what we're doing, then that's going to cause them who supposed to have good rhythm, timing, whatever, it might be, and whatever team that is, you know, going to be facing the Ravens defense. But if they have that bit of confusion, that's an advantage to the defense, and the defense can fly around and play fast. I think that's aggressive. Um, just lining up and saying, "Hey, I'm bringing, you know, four guys off the the right side," and yeah, the other team knows you're bringing the, you know, extra defender, and you can block it up, and or you have a scheme that you know, gets the ball out of the quarterback's hand and that play goes for big yards or even a possible score, what good is that? Like, you want to have this beautiful defense that you sit there and you think, all right, I, I think I know the protection is going to be called this way. Here's where, you know, where they're coming from. And then all of a sudden, as soon as you snap the ball, they're doing something different. And guys aren't in bad positions to finish. So if they're not in bad positions to finish, you're confused. It's all a win-win for for what would look like, you know, Mike McDonald's style defense. I think that's what, you know, if I'm sitting there interviewing him or talking with him, I think that's what he's saying as far as 
those comments about Wink Martindale's the similarities of their defenses. Right. And I think it is important to to note that with, with McDonald and what he understands about what this franchise wants out of a defensive unit, this isn't like a new guy coming in completely blind and having that interview and having the talks of like, all right, this is what we want out of you. This is what we would like. What are your visions and what are your goals for your defense? It's more of, you know, McDonald understands he left, he came back. And now with the aggressiveness, it, it is a balance. I completely agree because you don't want to get too conservative with it and be like, oh, we're never going to blitz because we're scared of getting beat. The Ravens have too much talent to, to be that way. But also if you're blitzing on every single play, like for example, week one against the Las Vegas Raiders in the fourth quarter and overtime, you had consistent blitz after consistent blitz and the Raiders were beating it and there was no in-game adjustment. And I think part of what excites me about McDonald is the fact that he showed that he can adjust in game. He can adapt in game. And that's, what's really, really important to me. And I think for this organization as well, but Q speaking of the coaching front, kind of moving away a bit from McDonald is the reports that the Ravens have parted ways with linebackers coach, Rob Ryan. Now Ryan and Don Martindale are very good friends. And some people speculated, oh, Ryan got the job because of Martindale and this, that, and the other. But, you know, Ryan's a talented coach overall. He's been a defensive coordinator in a couple places. And mm-hmm. now it seems like they want to move in a different direction. And it seems like the reports are from just Rebick that they are looking to add Zach or they're, they're toying with the idea of adding him to their coaching staff. So if those reports are true, Q, that Ryan is on the way out and potentially Zach or is on the way in, what do you think of that, Swalk? I think it's another youth movement. I think it's another fresh set of eyes that, you know, you want for your team. I think, you know, as John Harbaugh uh, gets an extension, um, it's one where it comes at a, not a a price as in, you know, a, a bad thing, but I think it comes at a, a, a price of, okay, John, what are you going to do to push us back into the conversation of an upper tier elite team? You know, we fell off the map, and that's not acceptable. And this is, you know, Steve Bishotti. So you look at what John is doing, and if Zach Orr, in fact, is that guy, I think, yeah, there is this this youthful mindset. You know, sometimes the message could be the exact same thing, but it's the delivery. And then the delivery also is there's a feel to – you know, a game and, and, and calling it and or coaching it, seeing a guy that, you know what, this reminded me of this situation when I played. I know we talked about it on film. I know what I can tell this uh, dude that when he goes back out there on the field, it's going to give him a tactical advantage. So I, I think, you know, little details like that can really, you know, put people in position to be successful. And, and I think that's what you're seeing not a knock against Rob by any stretch of imagination. I just think that it's a fresh set of eyes type of mentality. Right. And or was an up and coming assistant with the Ravens before he was hired by Jacksonville to be their linebackers coach, followed Joe Cullen over there during the, what was a very short urban Meyer era over there in Jacksonville. But yeah. he he's somebody who I think, I mean, as a player, obviously phenomenal. He, he was somebody whose career was unfortunately cut short by an injury that he, you know, it wasn't safe for him to play with it. And it's a matter of what if for him, but he has taken that and has put it into this coaching thing, which he is very good at still, you know, for a player to coach, there have been so many examples of good transitions that way. I think for, or he's another example where, you know, in a year, let's say we're still on the staff last year, you really could have had 
him be promoted this year. You know, it, it could have been that whole thing. So I think if this is true, if Ryan is on the way out, and if the Ravens do end up tabbing or to be their next linebackers coach, I think that is a really, really good swap. But yeah, as you said, Hughes, there, there's no knock on Rob Ryan here. It's just, again, the fresh set of eyes, the youth movement, as you put it, I think it'd be good for this franchise. But we'll head into our first break. When we get back, we'll be flipping a little bit, talking about the AFC North and where the Ravens stand against each team. So stay tuned for that. And we will be right back. Hey, Ravens fans, this is Kevin Ostriker with Interweb. Everyone who buys gas needs to know about Inget Upside. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now and use promo code TOUCHDOWN for 25 cents per gallon or more on your first level of cash back. Don't pay full price of the pump anymore. Get cash back using Get Upside. Just download the app for free and use promo code TOUCHDOWN for 25 cents per gallon or more on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot is making as much as $2 to $300 a year in cash back and there's no catch. The cash back is added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or any gift card for Amazon and other brands. Let's download the free GetUpside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get 25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your first tank. That's code TOUCHDOWN. But online as we cover the season with more props, odds, and lies than ever before, as football continues to smurse through the playoffs right to the big game in a couple weeks. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. BetOnline is up to the minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live real-time updates of current games. So wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet online where the game starts. We're back. It's our second segment of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Ostriker is still here with Kadri Ismael and Q, the AFC North. I mean, it has to be one of the most talented divisions in football. It is unbelievable. I mean, pe- people talk about the NFC West, and yeah, again, that is another super talented division with Arizona and, and all these different teams. Obviously, the Los Angeles Rams are in the Super Bowl against the AFC North representative. Unfortunately, not the Ravens. It's the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, the Bengals have shown that they are a team to be reckoned with, and they had a very, very quick turnaround, the fastest turnaround in NFL history if you're looking at records from where they were from the number one overall pick to where they are now. Hugh, the the Ravens, they they got demolished by Cincinnati two times in 2021. There's no sugarcoating it. There were a lot of close games for the Ravens, the Cincinnati games were not them. They they got blown out in both games. And I kind of want to ask you, and this is for each team in the AFC North, just about where the Ravens stand with these teams. It seems like this Ravens-Bengals rivalry could be one that follows a lot of people for the next 10, 15 years with talented quarterbacks like Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson at the helm. But compared to Cincinnati, Q, where do you see this Ravens team standing, of course, if both teams are fully healthy? Yeah, I, I think this would – you know, put that McDonald young mind uh, defense to a huge test. At the same time, I think offensively, if you're talking about a healthy Baltimore Ravens ball club, I, I like the way um, you have Wilson at linebacker and obviously uh, Henderson at uh, DN and the way in which they have speed on that defense that kind of counteracts a little bit of the Ravens, a little bit. When you're healthy, I think it wouldn't necessarily be a shootout, but you could see where the the team that blinks first would would lose. Um, this is by far the the most talented back and forth from from an organization to a, another organization that I've seen in in all of football. Uh, the Bengals are that good, and I think the Ravens, when healthy are that good as well. Yeah, there's going to be, I think, a lot of shootouts, a lot of close games between these two teams over the next really decade or so, because you mentioned it fully healthy. I mean, 
these games could have gone so much differently if the Ravens had J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards and Ronnie Stanley and Marcus Peters, and I could go on and on and on. And Cincinnati, admittedly, was very healthy in 2021. That's not a knock on them. I'm not saying, oh, they only won because they were healthy. Like no, They're a talented football team. But I think now what you're seeing with Joe Burrow, and another thing that I do want to point out is that they have a ton of cap space. This is not a team that's going to have to pay Joe Burrow, at least pay him a lot of, a lot of money until – Two years down the line when his fifth-year option kicks in because that whole formula has now changed. Jamar Chase is a rookie. It's kind of hard to believe the way he played in 2021. You have Tyler Boyd. You have T. Higgins. I mean, all these players. But the Ravens, on the other hand, they have an opportunity this offseason. That's why I think it's so important to sign quality free agents and, of course, hit on hopefully what will be all 10 draft picks. Now, that's a little unrealistic. But, you know, hitting on as many draft picks as they can to keep up with their youth movement because we could see kind of a transition especially on their defense, which does have a lot of older talent that is maybe contemplating retirement. Yeah. But speaking of guys who have retired, Q, that is Ben Roethlisberger, the former Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback, who gave the Ravens all sorts of troubles over his time in Pittsburgh, but the Ravens got the better of him too. It was a back-and-forth rivalry, and you know, almost seems like – I don't want to say die down. I don't think it's dying down, but you know, since the days of Suggs and Roethlisberger and Ward and Reed and, and those types of guys, you know – Back back in those days, Q, that rivalry, hard hitting before all the rules came in about the hits, the hits were flying between both these teams. But now with Roethlisberger out of the fold, Pittsburgh kind of enters limbo because what you have is a very talented defense, very talented offensive weapons, but the quarterback is the key question mark. So, Q, the Ravens and Pittsburgh Steelers always seem to play close games, but with kind of not a stable option there, do you see the Ravens maybe getting an advantage over, over Pittsburgh for the next couple of seasons? You know what? I think um, what we do know is that they have a head coach in, in Mike Tomlin. And I think if there was ever two coaches that, that gets the highest level of respect out of me, um, it's both Mike Tomlin and, and, and John Harbaugh. Both guys have shown that the moment you doubt their team, it's when their team will compete the best. Uh, we saw that in 2015 when you just thought that the Ravens were just going to fold over and yet – the Steelers were like mother of pearl. We we should have we should have swept them, and it was the other way around. I think the bottom line comes down to it is that they still have that vaunted uh, defense. They have some really good, talented, um, you know, franchise type players. And Watt, um, I know that you know the the quarterback situation definitely favors the Ravens, but this is a rival game, and we've seen where you know. One team would have their third team quarterback. The other team will have, you know, their their main guy or the main guy might get hurt or whatever it might be. And it just comes out in the the Ravens' favor or the Steelers' favor, and it's a kick here or there, whatever. We got Justin Tucker, you don't. Okay. <laughs> um, so that's a good thing. But I think for Lamar, if there was ever a, a, a thorn in his side, if Kansas City was his kryptonite, well, I think the thorn in his side, it, it's the Steelers. And just the overall way, um, he hasn't had that big just kick-butt-take-names-later type game. He's always had you know, his struggles with the Steelers. So I think this is something that um, is a little bit different, unlike the Bengals game, where I think subconsciously you know, the Ravens know, hey, if we're, we're, we both are good and we both are doing our thing, we're, we're, we're going to be living large. So with all that said, let's buckle up 
Um, it doesn't matter. Ben Roethlisberger is not there. This is this is still a, a Steelers-Ravens hard-nosed rival game. Yeah, I agree. I think Lamar Jackson, his struggles, at least the most struggles in his career have come against Pittsburgh. He just has, has not been able to figure it out. He doesn't have good games against them. He has had some of his worst games against that defense, and rightfully so. I mean, T.J. Watt is on there and all these different talented playmakers, but also another interesting thing there is the home field advantage of Pittsburgh, which, I mean, but when they get the terrible towels waving and, and the renegade flowing and everything in there, I mean, it, it is an incredible sight to see. Q. How big is that renegade factor? My goodness. Um, it, it, it's real. It, it's like a pain in the neck. And I know the Ravens, they've, they've reversed the psychological edge by playing it a lot during practices. So you can just kind of like, you know, get it out of your mind and recognize that it's going to happen. But, uh, you know, every now and then at my training facility, I get some crazy uh, off their, their rocker. Uh, kid or parent or somebody playing renegade, and I just kind of like look real quick, like who changed the channel? What? Who's what's going on? Um, so yeah, the PTSD is real. All right, okay. Now, no more renegade playing up in this place, or else your kid's gonna be doing extra sprints and push-ups. Um, that also is where you know the home field advantage. Again, like I said, in close games, it comes down to a kick. It's nullified. When you have Justin Tucker, um, I, I really think, you know, both places are difficult places late in the year to to, to kick and, and, and really compete. But, you know, for Justin Tucker, I think, you know, there's a, a leveling of the playing field. So go ahead and play your renegade. We got Justin Tucker. You don't. Oh, yeah. The Justin Tucker factor is real. And, you know, even Ravens kickers have had success there. I mean, Matt Stover had success there. Billy Cundiff, I'll duck for a second for Cundiff, but Billy Cundiff had successes. He was a good kicker up until, obviously, we know what happened in the, the PTSD kicks in there, right? And then, obviously, what Justin Tucker has done at Heinz Field, the game, game-winning kicks. Seems like he has a game-winning kick at every stadium, obviously. He's an amazing guy, but when it comes down to it, these close games against division rivals, a guy like Justin Tucker literally wins you football games. That's, that's just what it comes down to. If the Ravens offense can drive down the field, get Tucker to the – 40-yard line even. You know, he he can make stuff happen, as we saw in Detroit. And Detroit's a dome, and Justin yes. Tucker loves Detroit. But still, Heinz Field, late in December, Justin Tucker game-winning field goals, there's nothing like it. There, there's nothing like it. I'll take him from 47 to 54, 55, 56 yards. I'll, I'll, ta- I'll take Justin. Um, and it doesn't matter if he he's kicking it into the uh, open end of the stadium or if it's in the closed end of the stadium. I know they did some renovations, but – if, if, if people have ever been to, to Heinz Field, I know they brought in like what was used to be that, that uh, open part of the field, that wind would kind of swirl around and they kind of close it off and you know put more um, butts and seats as far as bleachers are concerned and, and all the things that you know ownerships love to do to get more revenue, which is fine. But with uh, all that said, I, I still think that, um, yeah, to the, the novice, you think that, oh, it's going to make it easier to kick. I still think it's a difficult place to play, and, and you got to have really a, a high level of, of not only concentration but skill to execute, and, and Justin has that. Yeah, he, he does. And I don't know, at least for me, Q, when Justin Tucker gets on the field, I mean, I have so much confidence that he's going to hit a kick. I mean, it's, it's, it's purely shocking when he misses a kick. Do you, do you feel that way about him? It feels like for years now it's just been Mr. Consistent. What was it? Was it the playoff game that uh, he got jinxed by uh, one yeah. of the announcers? And 
and like it just, it just I, you know, like I was scratching my head. I was like, you know, like what, what's what's going on here? Why why are we looking at Justin? You know, like what what happened? The the Earth fell off of its axis. Um, but I also say it's it's kind of interesting too, from an inspiration standpoint. You know, the the one young man, McDonald, um, like his clutch kicking in in this year's playoffs uh was was just unbelievable um then you also had with the other guy although it didn't necessarily get them to advance the super bowl but for kansas city you know just going into overtime as well uh, against the bills you know so i I think kicking as a whole in tough environments and spots because of justin tucker has improved yeah, and the AFC North has a great line of kickers. You mentioned McPherson in Cincinnati. You have Boswell in Pittsburgh, and then the only team that really has a question mark there is Cleveland, and it impacted uh-huh. them. It, it really did impact them because they had a couple close losses where their kicker, Chase McLaughlin, missed multiple field goals or an extra point, and that really can be the difference between winning the loss. But that Cleveland team, we'll talk about them in our final segment, so we'll head into our final break here. Plus, stay tuned for that move right back. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. And if yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good. You'll want to eat it. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate and contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. And there's so many flavors to choose from. So go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off of your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. We're back. It's our final segment of Locked on Ravens here on Friday. Kevin Oshaker still here with Kadri, Ismael, and Q. You talk about scheduling advantages. And I think the Cleveland Browns had one against the Baltimore Ravens in 2021. As we, we talked about it here before they played, Cleveland had the luxury of playing Baltimore than having a bye than playing Baltimore again. The Ravens, on the other hand, had to play Cleveland, then go to Heinz Field and play Pittsburgh, and then play Cleveland again. And the crazy part about this whole thing, this whole conversation we're having about the AFC North here, the Ravens went one in five in the division in 2021. That is almost unheard of. You know, it's a it's a division where there will be the close games, there will be the hard fought ones, but the Ravens they seem to squeak out those wins and even dominate some of those opponents. But it just it just was not their year, and for multiple reasons. Don't get me wrong, but Cleveland Browns. They have a decision to make on their quarterback, and that is Baker Mayfield. Mayfield has been, I'll call him inconsistent. He definitely did not have a good 2021 year. Now, he was injured for a lot of it. I give him credit for going out there and still competing, still fighting through all the stuff that he was going through. But there are question marks in Cleveland about whether Baker Mayfield is the franchise option for this team. Now, you have you know Cincinnati with no doubt Joe Burrow's the, the future and the, and the Ravens with no doubt Lamar Jackson is their future. But, Q, do you think Baker Mayfield is a future in Cleveland? Well, I mean, the thing is, who's the option uh, you're going to bring in? You know, I, I don't see uh, them being creative enough to to get somebody the likes of an Aaron Rodgers. So you got to say to yourself, all right, well, is this the best we can do for now and have it be okay? If if that's, you know, good enough, when I say okay, I'm, I'm saying, you know, that – 25 to 30 million, you know, number as far as per year average of uh, contract money. Can it, can it be where we could still field a, a, a credible and, and um, competent team? Then, then sure. Let's, let's, let's make this thing happen. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen <laughs> because I, I see Cleveland every year. Like they're the off season champions. I, I, 
joke around, but it's truth. They seem like, oh, you know, Cleveland is going to be the greatest because, you know, they got this guy or that guy or, you know, look at, look at, you know, the improvements that they made. And sure enough, you know, they, for whatever reason, um, cannot get over the hump and sustain a level of excellence. I think Baker kind of falls into that category. He just hasn't been able to um, show the, the, the type of consistency to be an upper tier quarterback. So, you know, with that, I just think that it's an advantage for the Ravens. And, and I think that that's something, you know, if, if you look at the head to head, yeah, they, they, you know, gear up and, and play well against the Ravens. But I think nine times out of 10, give me John Harbaugh and, and, and a healthy Ravens team any day of the week. Yeah, I think so too. And it always seems like Cleveland like has, has the Ravens number in some way, shape or form, but it doesn't always translate over to victories. Like I think the, the 2019 week four game where Cleveland just steamrolled the Ravens, that was a turning point in the franchise is Eric Nicasso was like, I've had enough of this. We're bringing in veterans. We're cutting the guys who aren't playing well. And, and that was there, but yeah, it's almost like, the Browns, you mentioned it. They they signed so much talent in the offseason. They have these great drafts. You know, what Andrew Barry has done there for that team has been transformative. And I'm, I'm I think he's the right guy for them. I think Stefanski's great, although I know there's some in Cleveland, you know, some who follow the team and whatnot who don't think that. But you know, for me, I think he he's a good coach. But for now, you have a Ravens team that feels like they just feel forgotten almost because of all the injuries they went through. This team was eight and three through 12 mm-hmm. weeks. They finish it at eight and nine and in last in the AFC North. So it's almost like, you know, the talk of town right now is Cincinnati. And I mean, rightfully so the turnaround has been amazing. You know, Joe Burrow's playing great football. Jamar Chase is a transcendent rookie in this league, and he will be a transcendent player for a very long time. But it seems like the, the people aren't giving the Ravens their flowers cue. And it seems like they're being almost underrated to the point where it's all, well, do they really have the pieces? Is Lamar Jackson really the guy to lead them? And it's all all the questions we've been familiar with hearing over the past couple of seasons, which are, I'll call them baloney to to put it nicely. But do you you feel like the Ravens, just because of what they went through with the injuries and their collapse late season in 2021, they are being undervalued in this AFC North division? I think a little bit. And, and, you know, it's always going to be that way with the NFL. Like everyone wants to, jump on the bandwagon and, and see who's the latest, greatest, and, and you know, talk about, wow, you know, this team or that team. And obviously you mentioned, you know, what Joe Burrow has done and how Jamar Chase has just, you know, lit up the league. And um, they should get their flowers, no question about it. But I think for the Ravens, uh, in the Lamar Jackson era, he's, he's more than proven himself. Um, I think part of it is this – narrative of you know Greg Roman and and whether or not he should or shouldn't be and all those things uh but I also recognize that with Greg Roman with Lamar Jackson um that this Baltimore Ravens club has been successful so yeah people are going to put them in the rearview mirror they don't necessarily deserve to be up on front street right now you do recognize that the King of the Hill is the Bengals, and rightly so. But I think if you know your football, you know the Ravens are not going to be sitting there taking it, you know, lightly, and they're going to be back, and they're going to be loaded and ready to go. Right, and in the NFL, you know, there is never a team that exits the year fully healthy. That's just – it's unrealistic. Mm -hmm. And for the Ravens, 
their injury luck has been, you know, more bad than good over the last, you know, we can call it seven, eight years. And, you know, in 2019, they were they were pretty healthy overall. Look what happened. They went 14 and two. They got the one seed in the AFC in the whole AFC and just, you know, did their thing through the whole regular season. And I agree. The Ravens, they do have to almost like prove themselves in a way. But I think the level to which people are saying they need to prove themselves is a bit over exaggerated. It's like, Absolutely. all right, the Ravens finished last in the AFC North. Well, now they have to prove that they're a good football team. We we know the Ravens are a good football <laughs> team from what they have shown consistently from the talent they have on their roster, the way they are coached. It's not a matter of proving themselves as a good football team. It's a matter of proving that they can go up with Cincinnati and they can go up with Kansas city and they can adapt to the NFL as it's changing right now. Cause this is a quarterback league in the AFC queue. I mean, you have all these young quarterbacks. How much does that scare you from a Ravens perspective with the Burroughs and the, and the Mahomes and the Herberts and all, all those young quarterbacks in the AFC? The, the 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 fear is not necessarily there. I think if McDonald um, can get some pieces, so now it falls back on Eric DeCosta and his offseason commitment to bolstering up both sides of the ball, like the offensive line. But we're also talking about, you know, the defensive line. The defensive front has to get pressure. Uh, we, we saw up close and personal that, you know, Joe Burrow, he just doesn't go down. You saw, though, that when they go up against Tennessee and he gets sacked nine times, he can also stand in a pocket and make some throws and makes a clutch throw at the end of the game to put his team in position to win. Um, those type of games, to me, kind of show you the blueprint of what you need to do. You need to get pressure and so, therefore, whether it be Adafi Owe leading the way and whomever else that they would seem to either, you know, keep, whether it be Justin Houston keeping him, um, whether it be a scenario where they bring in more guys and or draft, pressure, defensive front has to be priority number one to to go up against all the quarterbacks in the AFC North. And that that's just – that's a must. Yeah, and even, you know – Throughout the whole AFC in general, I mean, even Josh Allen, Mac Jones, those are all super, super talented. I mean, you can rank them however you want to, but I think that with just the way that this league is trending, the Ravens are going to go away from their identity. They're going to trust what they trust, believe what they believe. This is a running football team that can also throw the football very effectively. And I think that combination of things is very good. And the Ravens were robbed for the whole 2021 season of their run game. You know, I, I can say that, you know, from what it was now, look, Devonta Freeman might've been the best back on that roster. Now that's my guy. That's my guy, Devonta Freeman. But you know, I'd rather have JK Dobbins out there. I'd rather have Gus Edwards out there. The the league is going to a throwing league, you know, a passing league where guys are throwing for 3000, 4,000, all, all these yards. But I think for what the Ravens have on defense, this new era of defensive football with Mike McDonald, I agree with you. That's the key X factor because the Ravens, obviously they, they knew, they had to adjust, they had to adapt, and they had to grow. And they felt like Martindale just, for whatever reason, whatever they decided, wasn't that guy for them. And him and the Ravens decided to part ways. So I think that for what the Ravens have on defense, it's a big opportunity for them in the trenches, as you talked about, to upgrade and build the fortress around Lamar Jackson and build an impenetrable wall and something that can push back against these very young and very good signal callers. But Q, that's all I have for you today. Thank you so much again for joining me here on the show once again. And the Ravens have given us – a lot of news in, in a short amount of time this offseason and maybe continues rolling in here. We'll have more stuff to talk about. Yeah, appreciate you having me on as always, man. And uh, love talking shop. Yeah, it's always great. And be sure to 
tune in here. We have a ton of Ravens content. Q joins us here every Friday. It's great content as always. But that's all I have for you here today on Locked on Ravens. We'll take a two-day break. We'll make it back here on Monday. We'll dive into more Baltimore Ravens talk, so stay tuned for that. And I will see you on Monday.